the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets, and it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap, Robinson trying to get to the outside, makes a trip move, gets to the inside, Keyshawn Robinson, touchdown Cougars! Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw, not in time! Hedgesville's going to Charleston! Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals. 18 and 0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And it is Panhandle Sports Live for this Wednesday, the fourth day of October 2023. Welcome into the Hoffy Kirchival Studios and welcome into another edition of Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone along for the ride and it is a uh, a well-traveled and well-aged Parker Stone celebrating his birthday today. So happy birthday, boss. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to all our uh, wonderful community we've built with Panhandle Sports Live for uh, taking part in the celebration today. It's a it's a full celebration. So going to enjoy it. Going to enjoy this day and just take it in, I guess. Ladies, he's 25. Yeah, that that's the Watch ma- out. magic number, 25 today. Watch out. So, so please uh, fill up the text line with birthday wishes for Parker Stone, 304-263-4321. Uh, and thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday morning. A lot to cover as the show goes on. And we begin our coverage and our content with the state golf tournament where Washington and one of the least talked about stories in the state, and that's a fault of our own because we haven't talked about it as much as maybe we should have. Well, Washington opened in 2008. They qualified for the state golf tournament. They've qualified every year since. And with one day complete of a two-day event in Wheeling, it's currently Washington that leads the state golf tournament. But it is, it is close. They lead Hurricane by a shot. Cavill Midland in third place. Washington's a plus 21. Hurricane's a plus 22. Cavill Midland's a plus 26. And then Morgantown at plus 29. Uh, and the individual leader is Tommy Evans, a freshman who shot an even par through the first day. So Washington, you talk about a, a commitment to excellence, and it was funny um, you know, when the state legislatures were arguing about the one-time transfer rule and they brought up the Eastern Panhandle as an example. The best football team is out here in Martinsburg. The best volleyball teams are out here uh, in Hedgesville and Musselman. The best golf team is out here with Washington. The best baseball team long-term is out here with Jefferson. It just epitomizes how much talent there is out here uh, obviously, they haven't won the championship yet. There's still more golf to be played today. But what Washington has done as a program can't be overstated. No, definitely not. The fact that they've built this juggernaut of a golf program in less than 20 years as a school has been absolutely phenomenal for Washington. And it's a Pats club and school that has really, I think, taken strides in their athletics over this time brought up. I mean, the golf program, one of the best of the state, if not the best in the state right now, 
women's basketball. I know they just had a big rise in their ranks as they made it to the state tournament last year. It seems like football's taking that first steps for Washington to get back to a competitive range in their pursuits. And then the boys basketball team has some things going their way as well with a new coach coming in on Washington's end. So it's, it's looking good for the Pats right now, being spearheaded by a really good golf team coming up and still putting in great work over in Ogilvy. Yep, so best of luck to them on the second day. And for Tommy Evans as well, who is the clubhouse leader, uh, we'll be tweeting out coverage throughout the day at EP Sports Network on Twitter. But you can also find coverage uh, from Metro News. There's a great article written by Joe Bercato after the first day with kind of a broad look at what's going on uh, with all three classes. And then you've got a great article written as well in the Martinsburg Journal by Rick Kozlowski was able to catch up with the Washington golf coach and uh, kind of get you started for day two of what's going on there as you mentioned, at Ogilvy. But another day to digest. Yesterday we unveiled our Panhandle High School football game of the week, Spring Mills against Frankfurt. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, we're going to be joined by Kevin Whiteman, the head coach uh, for Frankfurt, kind of get a Falcons perspective on things. But as you look at this matchup, uh, Park, and there's a reason why we picked it. We feel as though it's the most competitive game that's being played this week. But, you know, it's, a, it's an op- opportunity uh, got a text on the text line, by the way. Happy birthday, Park. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> I appreciate the enthusiasm, Texter. I appreciate it. Shout out to the Roaring Twenties. Uh, but your thoughts? I mean, it's a game that I think Spring Mills, especially at home, would be favored in. But it's another opportunity for them to prove. And that's kind of the thing, I think, for me for Spring Mills is they've moved past the realm of this is a neat story to we're legitimately here. We're legitimately a contender for a home playoff game. And I think that beating Frankfurt, uh, and beating them demonstratively, which is a possibility, is something that could contextualize this season for the Cardinals and, and really say that we legitimately are one of the best teams in the state. No, this is a, this is the opportunity for a really big statement win, I think, for Sprig Mills and to really solidify that case of not only we're a playoff team, but we are a top eight team in the state of West Virginia right now with beating a Frankfurt team that's coming off of loss against one of the better teams over in Maryland last week. It's a chance for them to get back at them, especially for last year. They lost to this Frankfurt team by a touchdown last year, which ultimately led to them not making the playoffs at a 4-6 and six record last year. So it's the opportunity for Spring Mills, which, again, I would favor them in this matchup just because it seems like they are playing really good football right now. Thing to watch out for for Frankfurt, and I'm excited to get to talk with their head coach here around the bottom of the hour, Tyreek Powell, their running back. He's a senior. He's one of the better running backs in the state of West Virginia from what I've heard and what I've seen. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table this Friday and as well as how the how the Falcons have dealt with losing their uh, – senior quarterback from last year, Robinette. He was one of the better quarterbacks in AA and was a Falcons team last year that made it to the semifinals in Class AA. So I'm excited to see what Frankfurt brings to the table and to hear the thoughts from the Falcons side of things coming up at the bottom of the hour. What are the other games, or what's the other game that intrigues you the most from the EPAC? We'll talk about this a little bit more on Friday, but Spring Mills and Frankfurt's the game we're doing. You also have Jefferson against South Hagerstown, uh, who they handled last season. You've got Washington against Martinsburg. Uh, a chance for Washington to test their medal with first-year head coach Terry Ray against the state's best. Uh, and then you've got that Hedgesville-Liberty matchup as well. Which of those games intrigues you the most? I'd say out of all of these, if I were to pick most competitive game out of these, it would probably be Hedgesville-Liberty out of all of them. Liberty's coming into this game 2-3, and three, Hedgesville coming in 3-3. Three and three. Really, the Eagles right now cannot afford 
who lose games, it just diminishes their chance of making the playoffs at this point. And then if you lose against Liberty, let's just say this for Hedgesville's case, you lose against Liberty, then you go into that matchup two and three against Musselman, which could be two and three versus two and four, and the loser of that game doesn't make the playoffs. That that basically would be what it means with with uh, Capital Midland coming up for Musselman as well. Washington's case, I think it's just yet again another opportunity for them just to throw out and see what they got. I mean, what what do you have to lose playing Martinsburg at this point? It's it's a tough environment for the Pats, but it's an opportunity again to get yourself test yourself against probably the best team in the entire state of West Virginia, and just see what you got. You got playmakers on the Pats side, and both the Jones brothers, Brock Meadows, who's been having a pretty good season, and Ryan went at the quarterback spot. It's an opportunity for them to show something. But if I were to say one that would mean the most, probably come playoff time I'd say Hedgesville Liberty because of even if Hedgesville we got to remember out of state schedules too could sink you in the SSAC playoff rankings if Hedgesville loses to a team out of Maryland it could really sink their chances of making the playoffs so for Hedgesville I think it's the most must win for them this week Texter wants to know why is Spring Mills playing a double a team that is not a test I, I think it isn't it isn't I mean just in general just because you're playing a double-A team doesn't mean it's not a test because we saw what Herbert Hoover did to Hedgesville. That's some really good double-A teams. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a matter of – it checks several boxes for Spring Mills. It's a team that you can schedule a home-and-home home with that you don't have to travel incredibly far because it's Frankfurt and it's in your backyard. It's not a pushover double-A team. It's a double-A team that's going to make the playoffs. So, you know, the way that the rankings have kind of been adjusted, if you play down in your class, it's not as big of a penalty as it used to be. You know, there used to be some teams – I'll go ahead and say one because they're my people in Preston County. They used to play their five conference games and then schedule five double-A teams and try to get into the playoffs every year. Um, That's not what Spring Mills is doing here. It's a quality double-A opponent that's not that far away. It gives you a pretty decent test. Um, Yeah, again, I think they're favored in this game. I'm not – we picked it because we think it would be close. I didn't pick it expecting Frankfurt to come in here and upset Spring Mills because that that would be – a result that would shock some people around the state. But I, I would say that it, it's a little bit more of a text, texter than maybe you're giving it credit for. Um, Frank, Frankfurt, I mean, you go down to double-A, you, you're going up against a smaller roster. It's a talented roster that's won a lot of football. So it's an opportunity for Spring Mills to play a game that's within 90 minutes of themselves, home and home this year. It's at home. Uh, and, and, and get a relatively competitive football contest and an opportunity to try to pick up a win um, on their schedule is that a fair assessment I mean I, I think it makes too much sense to me yeah I mean it's, I think it makes enough sense this team was 11 and 2 last year they had they shot out Washington 20 to nothing and they went ahead and beat Spring Mills by a touchdown last yeah. year they beat North Marion who was the number one team in the SSAC power rankings last week they beat them last year by over two touchdowns it's it's a quality team they beat Scott last year when Scott was really good on the road and then they they took Herbert Hoover to the limit to, for an attempt to go to the Super Six. So this is this is a one of the four best teams quality of double. Like this is probably one of the best double A has to offer if yeah. you were to pick it up. Especially right for now. this area. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I think it's the best double A team in this area. Absolutely, because I mean, you don't want to go down and play Scott and no, just because Hedgesville did it. You probably don't want to go down and play Herbert Hoover. That's a long yeah, trip. It's and a big long, fan base. Long trip. So it's an opportunity to play a team. It's. I mean, it's a quality of it's the same quality of opponent you could get if you jump the border and play somebody from Pennsylvania or Virginia, but you know it's in it's a home it's a home state team, so it doesn't ding you as much in the rating. 
if that makes sense. Uh, before we go to break, when we come back, I want to take a look at the, uh, the, the Major League Baseball postseason. We just had the first day yesterday. A uh, quick look ahead to uh, what Berkeley Springs has coming up, right? It's the Mountaineers this Friday night, um, mm-hmm. and it is at uh, it is home a home game for the Tribes? It's on the road in Clarksburg oh. at Liberty. Okay, so you're back, going to Clarksburg. Back, back-to-back weeks in that north-central West Virginia area. Yeah, Good we'll pepperoni be, rules. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be the uh, stop after the game. We'll be definitely getting some pepperoni rules over that way. But, yep, it'll be the uh, Tribe going on the road to take on the Mountaineers of Liberty. That game, again, Friday on WXDC 645, start of our pregame leading into your 7 o'clock Friday night kickoff as per the normal on WXDC. But again, it just another opportunity for the Tribe to show something. I think that's really the emphasis at the end of this season uh, with opportunities to maybe show flashes against Hampshire coming up next week as well. Really, I think your last chance of a win is going to be against Braxton at the end of the season because Braxton's also not very good. <clears throat> but for the Tribe's sake, excuse me, they, they have – shown those flashes at points this season it's just probably bringing it all together because I I felt like from at least from a fan perspective maybe the air got let out of the balloon some after what happened against Oak Glen a couple weeks ago but I mean there were moments when that game that Aiden Kane looked like one of the better rushing quarterbacks in the state of West Virginia he broke some tackles ran all over went sideline to sideline and scored some really good touchdowns. But it's it's just all about putting it together. And, again, it, it's all about trench play, I think, for the Tribe. If they could somehow improve their trench play on the offensive and defensive end, they could maybe make that first stride towards getting a win in their season and building up towards what I think is a winnable game against Braxton coming up at the end of the season. But at Liberty, they're, again, a pretty good team. They're trying to fight and jock for position in the playoffs right now. The Tribe can just play some spoiler this Friday. Well, a break to take. When we return, we'll talk about the first day of Major League Baseball action in the postseason. Uh, The Rays in front of a 19,000-person crowd. We'll talk about that. And again, it's Parker Stone's birthday, so please flood the text line with birthday wishes. 304-263-4321. You can text us and uh, ask any questions you want, high school football-related, Major League Baseball-related, potentially questions for Kevin Whiteman, who's coming up at the bottom of the hour with Frankfurt's head football coach. But you're still listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition, birthday edition of Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Luke Wiggs. The birthday boy is Parker Stone. Got another text from Mama Stone saying happy birthday. Please flood the text line, 304-263-4321, with well wishes for the big man here in studio or just general questions you have that are sports-related, potentially Major League Baseball-related, because we've completed the first day of the MLB postseason. Uh, And let's start by listening back to some of the highlights from these games before we get Parker's thoughts uh, and we'll begin our attention with uh, the Twins. Minnesota winning a playoff game for the first time, as you said before we came on the air, since the Bush administration. 3-1 uh, to one the final score of this game, uh, and a really big game uh, for one individual. Let's hear the call that uh, Dave O'Brien had on ESPN Radio and how it sounded yesterday. And the pitch. Swing, a high drive, deep left field, backing up Barsho on a run, turning. It's gone! Home run! Royce Lewis will touch them all. A two-run shot to light him up here in Minneapolis. Swinging a high fly ball right field. That's deep. Backing up Springer. He's turning. It's sailing, and it's gone. He has done it again. Royce Lewis, for the second time in his first postseason game, has hit it out of the ballpark. This one the other way. What a start for the kid. 
Royce Lewis, two home runs. You heard it there. Drove in all three runs that the Twins scored in this game that uh, was a 3-1 to one final. Uh, and it, they get a great start from Pablo Lopez as well, Park, and just a, a really quality way to start the postseason for the Twins. Yeah, truth be told, I thought Toronto was going to take control of this series and get their way into a matchup going into the second round pretty easy. But I was I was fooled by the AL Central's best, the Minnesota Twins. They they put together a great game, like you mentioned, Royce Lewis with a fantastic two run two home run game for him. And just an overall day that really the pitching for Minnesota is partially what did it as well. There was just, you look down, up, up and down the lineup, the only player for Toronto to get an extra base hit was Vladdy Jr. Other than that, Bo Bichette had two singles. Kevin Kiermeyer had a couple singles and was able to bat in the only run of the day for Toronto. And then Matt Chapman had one. So pitching really was the recipe for the win for the Minnesota Twins. Some of the other guys, and the Twins too, I'll mention this, they're building kind of a nice little young core right now. Eduardo Julian, the guy they got, he's only yep. 24 as well. Royce Lewis, he's only 24. They're starting to build together a nice little young core right now for the Twins to really – Alex Kirilov, their uh, first baseman, outfielder flex, he's 25 as well. They're starting to build a nice little young core outside of the guys like Carlos Correa and Pablo Lopez and the like. So it, it, good on the Twins for getting this playoff win. I'm excited to see if Toronto can answer back and make this a Game 3 win and move on coming up later this week. Or is it going to be a twin sweep, which I bet a lot of not a lot of people would probably have picked that one. Well, the Rays handled, I'm sorry, did not handle business against the Rangers. The Rangers come into the trap that had just 19,000 people there for a playoff game. It was a 3 o'clock start, but I don't think that's a good enough excuse. The Rangers won 4 nothing, a game in which Tampa committed four errors. A uh, sacrifice fly by Josh Young was uh, enough, but there was more runs applied late, including this Corey Seager uh, RBI single, and here's how it sounded on ESPN Radio. Righty to lefty, first pitch. Swinging a line drive into center field, falling fast in front of Siri, and it caroms off his glove off a hop. Carter races around and scores. Siri's throw sails at third, goes into the Rangers' dugout, and it will score a second run. Semyon trots in, and it is now 4-0 Rangers on the first pitch from Davinsky in the sixth. You can hear some boos there in the background. Not the way Tampa wanted to start in front of basically a half-capacity crowd to commit four errors and fall behind in the series, losing 4 to nothing. Just got the stat right here. That is the lowest attended playoff game in MLB in over 100 years. Well, since the uh, the Black Sox scandal is mm -hmm. what it said. Yeah, since 1919. Yep, over 100 years. That is the lowest attended playoff game in Major League history. But a uh, bad day for Tampa. Overall, only getting six hits, two from Andy Rosarena. He had three total bases in the contest. Paredes added a hit as well. And then their shortstop, who's filled in after the departure of Wanda Franco, Taylor Walls gets two hits as well. Day to forget overall for the Rays, just did not have a good outing for the Rangers' sake. Two hits from Corey Seager. Adelise Garcia gets a hit as well. Jonah Heim, Nathaniel Lowe, two guys that really contribute over All-Stars. Josh Young gets a hit as well. And I think now I'm starting to believe this could be very well a sweep for the Rangers, and they move on to take on the O's in the divisional. It's I just think Tampa's ran out of gas, being completely honest, and it, they look like they're just out of it and not the team that was dominating in the first half of the season. It looks like they're just 
falling apart. And I think Tampa has a really good, or excuse me, Texas has a really good chance to close things out today against Tampa. And as you mentioned, they advance the winner of this series advances to take on the Orioles this weekend. We'll have coverage of every Orioles playoff game here on WEPM and WCST. Let's lump in these two National League games together uh, and start with the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. By the way, I did want to mention that uh, the Cardinals traded away another gem. Jordan Montgomery had a great start uh, in that victory for Texas. 6-3, to three, the Diamondbacks defeated the Brewers, a game in which their starting pitcher was chased in the third inning and their bullpen combines for seven and a third scoreless innings. Corbin Carroll getting to taste the milk and honey of the postseason uh, had a two-run home run. And the pitch. High fly ball, deep right field, and that one seals on out of here. Look, home run, Corbin Carroll. It's a one-run ball game. It's 3-2. to two. So that's Corbin Carroll and the Diamondbacks winning the first game of that series. The Phillies did the same 4-1. to one. They defeated the Marlins. Got a great start from Zach Wheeler. Production up and down the lineup. And I don't like this man, but here's the call on WIP. It's Nick Castellanos' uh, game-sealing RBI double. The 0-1 pitch. Swung on. Ripped down the left field line. That's going to be a base hit for Castellanos. Harper is off to the races. Around second. He's heading for third. The helmet comes flying off. They're going to wave him to the plate. The relay home is not in time. Wow. Harper scores from first <laughs> as Castellanos is in at third. And the Phillies take a 4-1 to lead. So Park, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks first are also win the first game as well. Yeah, I think both these teams have a real chance to maybe, if they're hot, pull off upsets on the Braves and the Dodgers if they advance and get themselves to maybe the NLCS. They, I love Arizona's batting lineup. I think they have an absolute chance to put a pop in the back, kind of like what Philadelphia did last year to get to the World Series. Nobody expected it. They just got really hot at the right time, and I think Arizona has the potential to do that. Corbin Carroll, who's going to win National League Rookie of the Year, he's been an absolute spark plug for this team. And interestingly enough, Cattell Marte, it's a home run if he's able to turn back the clock a few years and get back to that vintage 2019 form he's going to be a problem Christian Walker to one of the most underrated players in baseball is Christian Walker three out of four of hits for this game and like you mentioned they chased Corbin Burns who's supposed to be the ace for the Brewers off the mound in four innings and at, that was a surprise and I think right now Arizona has a real chance to advance and get a sweep over Milwaukee. And for Philly's sake, I think they're just a better team overall than the Marlins right now. Truthfully, Miami, I think, sneaked into the playoffs. And I think Philadelphia's got a real chance to close this out again tonight. And again, Orioles baseball, they'll rejoin the second round of the Major League Baseball postseason, taking on the winner of that Rays-Rangers series. It comes up this weekend. You can hear the coverage of every single game here on WBPM and WCST. But break the take. When we return, we'll turn our attention to Ridgely and the Frankfurt Falcons. Their head coach, Kevin Whiteman, joins us next on Panhandle Sports Live. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back into Panhandle Sports Live, a Wednesday edition, talking a little high school football. Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchival Building in historic Martinsburg, West Virginia, as we're now joined on the phone by Kevin Whiteman of those Frankfurt Falcons. And, Coach, welcome into the show. Thank you for giving us the time this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, you guys are coming off a tremendous 2022 season. So the expectations that you had for your club as you turned the calendar to 2023, what were they in the preseason, and have those expectations been met through the first six games of the season? Well, we always have high expectations here at Frankfurt. We have a good history with our football program, and we always want to have a winning season and make the playoffs and, and try to advance when we get there. And you know, 22 was a wonderful season, a memorable season. Um, I, I feel like we let the semifinals slip out of our hands. We had a chance here at home to go to the, you know, the championship and 
you know, that one will, <clears throat> that one's going to haunt me the rest of my life. So, you know, coming into this year, we have some returning players, and, you know, we still have the same goals. We want to have a winning season and make the playoffs in advance, and, you know, we're doing a good job. I'm proud of what we've done. I, I feel like we let the weird game slip away, another game, a winnable game that we let slip away. And, you know, last Friday night we played a good Mountain Ridge team, and we were tied in the second half, and we had a uh, – you know, a bad break with a fumble that they ruled he was down, and it was actually a fumble that could have changed the momentum of the game. Not making excuses, you know, referees make mistakes too, but um, the kids played hard. They battled. I feel like we finally played for 48 minutes. I don't feel like we've done that the whole year. We played with emotion. They really wanted it, you know, and I told them, you know, if they had played like that at Weir, the outcome of that game would have been different. And, you know, if we play with that kind of emotion and intensity like we had last week, you know, we'll be a good football team. Well, Coach, there was obviously some key losses for you guys from a season ago where you, where you put up a really impressive season. We'll talk specifically X's and O's in a little bit, but you know who are a couple of guys that have kind of stepped up for you that maybe weren't as big of a piece of last year's team that have shouldered a bigger load and kind of stepped into some leadership roles for this edition of the Falcons? Well, you know, Tyreek Powell was a, was a big part of our team last year. He's a senior. You know, we moved him to fullback, and he's really done a great job at fullback, and we knew we needed him to do that. And we can't say enough about what he does. He's a he's a hard nosed kid. Um, Landon Kinzer is another big one. He got to play early in the season. He's since hurt his shoulder, but he's been such a great leader. And he's going to come back. He'll be back next week. And he's he's such a big part of our team. Uh, we have kids on the line: Hayden, Esther, Matthew, Jackson, that are seniors that you know have, have stepped to the plate, and and the kids are following their lead. So I'm really just happy with with the attitude, the effort and the, th- the way things have been this season so far. So, Coach, as well as speaking on the personnel-wise, I know you've had to replace a guy who was a big part of your program over the past, past few years and your former quarterback, Luke Robinette, having to replace him this season. How's that transition been with getting that stable quarterback to transition into that next era for Frankfurt? Oh, it's a it's stressful. I mean, you know, Luke did a great job. So proud of him. I love him like a son. Uh, he he was just a big big part of our program and led our team to for two years to some great wins and and some great playoff wins. And you know, coming in, we didn't know we had three guys we were looking at, and we didn't know until you know basically the the first week of the season, the first game, who we were going to go with. We decided to go with Blake Jacobs, who's a sophomore. I'm proud of him for being a sophomore. He's really done a good job. He has a lot of guts. Um, you know, he can run, he can throw, runs the offense well. The kids look up to him, and it's it's just been a really good thing for us. Um, it's it's definitely you can't replace a guy like Luke, Luke Robinette, but you know this boy's come in. And he's done a good job, and he's only going to get better. And he's going to be just like a Luke Robinette, I'm sure. Well, Coach, talk about your thought process to kind of jumping up weight classes and playing a Triple A team. It's something that you've done in the past. Uh, and you had success last year against Washington and Spring Mills this year. You've beaten Hampshire. Uh, you've beaten Washington. It seems as though, and then you look at the out-of-state teams that you played, you just mentioned uh, Mountain Ridge, that you really want to play a tough schedule. Uh, talk about it's a shorter drive, but certainly a, a tough, tough uh, uh, comp- or team that you're playing, tough competition you're going to face stepping up to take on uh, AAA Spring Mills. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we only have 470 kids, and we're the second smallest double-A school, so I'm proud of what we do. Uh, thing I hate is we there's some double A schools that I feel like should play us that won't play us. Um, this thing with Spring Mills just kind of happened during COVID, uh, where we started playing, and it's been three great games. Uh, you look at what's happened in those games. I, I feel like we let we've won two, they won one. They've all been great games. I feel like the one we let slip away down there, 21 to 20, we could have easily won when we went for two. 
Um, when we were down there two years ago, we had like 25 kids dressed. They had 90 kids dressed. So, you know, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of – and I know they've been building towards this season for sure. You know, I've talked to their coaches before, and I know that this is the year that they've been waiting for. They have an excellent team. Uh, you know, the size on the line, aggressive. They're, they're, the thing that is tough for us is their, their team speed. We don't have that kind of speed. And, and I know when I look at them this year, that speed jumps out everywhere. And it's going to be very difficult for us to keep up with that with that speed. And, uh, but we, we, you know, we're, we're getting ready. We're preparing. We'll definitely come to play. We're not going to roll over for anyone. And But it's definitely a challenge going against a bigger AAA school like that who has depth and, you know, different kind of athletes than we can get here at Frankfurt. Well, Coach, this is the first time the Falcons have ever been featured on our Panhandle Game of the Week. So for our listeners, what should they expect from the Frankfurt Falcon brand of football? Well, people know that we like to we like to run the football and pound the football. And, you know, I look at who they've played in Spring Mills, and I know they really haven't played a true running team that's going to run right downhill at them. You know, I hope that that's to our advantage. We have some linemen back, and, I th- you know, I'm, I'm pleased with our line. I'm confident in our line. We've, we've moved the ball well this year, and I expect to move it Friday night. I mean, they have a, a good team, and I know that they're going to be ready. But I – I know that, you know, I'd look at what they play. They said they've been throwing teams that throw the ball and mix the run in with it and spread the field. You know, that's not our brand of football. So hopefully that they're not used to that kind of attack, a wing tee attack coming downhill at them. But then when you look at their offense, just I just look at that speed and, you know, are we going to be able to keep them? We have to be able to turn the clock and move the football. And then we're on defense. We cannot keep giving up big plays. I know they're going to make some plays because they're very athletic but we can't let them make big play after big play. if we let them make big play after big play we're going to be we're going to be in big trouble well coach uh, you talk about trying to give them a, a different look that they haven't seen on offense but for them defensively you know they line up in that 335 and the work that coach Heston has done what have you seen on film from what's a, a bit of a tricky defense to prepare for that can send pressure from all three levels Oh yeah, it's they got a good defense and that guy does a great job with it. They can definitely send pressure and anytime you get three linebackers in there, I think it's tough to block and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they they're going to give us different looks. Um last year they packed everything up there. They weren't in that odd stack last year. That was more like a 6-2 type look. Mm. And we're we're preparing for either look. You know, our kids are smart. They do a good job. So, we're preparing for you know, a six-man front, uh, an odd stack type look. We're we're working hard and preparing for both of them, so we're ready for whatever they bring at us. Well, Coach, lastly, this uh, when you first took over at Frankfurt in 2008, I believe. I mean, that was the first year that Washington opened up as a school, and then you got to see Spring Mills open up a couple of years later. You know, from somebody that's just kind of on the outside looking in of what's going on here in the easternmost part of the Panhandle, how has football kind of grown in your eyes, and and with it the talent? Because it seems as though you know, it used to kind of just be Martinsburg and Musselman where all people would talk about out here. But now you've got a very good Spring Mills team, a very good Hedgesville team, a Washington team that's on the rise, a Jefferson team that's competing as well. How has football kind of evolved in uh, Berkeley and Jefferson counties as you've seen it over the last couple of years? Oh, it's definitely coming on. And like you said, it's always been Musselman and Martinsburg. That's the two main big dogs that, that people would talk about. But those schools, like you just mentioned, they're coming on. It's exciting to see, and I'm, I'm happy for them. You know, you like to see other teams have success. You know, I know all those coaches. I'm friends with all of them. Uh, they all do a good job. They work hard. I love the coach at Jefferson, Washington, all of them. You know, I get along with them, and we have a lot of fun. We talk on the off season, and it's just really good to see that they're, you know, that they're getting better. 
and like you said, Spring Mills is this is one of their better years, and and they're going to do some good things, and they're definitely going to be a, a playoff team. But I'm just happy for all of those schools that you know that they're able to do what they do, and that, that Spring Mills, I got to say, the facility down there is beautiful. I was floored whenever we were down there two years ago. I'd never been there before, and the locker rooms, the field, the the band, the the whole atmosphere. When we come out, we had a, there was a bunch of people there, kids. By our, we got booed. It was awesome, and I hope we have the same kind of crowd Friday night and the same kind of atmosphere. Well, Coach, uh, we appreciate you giving us this time, and we look forward to seeing you on Friday. And uh, best of luck to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All righty, thank you. That's Coach Kevin Whiteman of Frankfurt, part of one of the two teams that are going to do battle in our Panhandle High School football game of the week coming up this Friday night. One more break to take. We'll get the special birthday edition of Parker's Picks coming up in just a moment. Want to revisit an episode of Panhandle Sports Live? Follow the Panhandle News Network on Spotify today. Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live, this Wednesday edition. We were just joined by Frankfurt head football coach Kevin Whiteman. If you want to listen back to that interview, you can later on on our Panhandle Live uh, Spotify pages. But I'm Luke Wiggs, but also in studio with me is the birthday boy. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. I would have hated to come into the birthday with getting an absolute goose egg of a slate, but shout out to the Phillies for getting the win and making sure we didn't have that case. Sadly, no dingers for us on Dinger Tuesday. Randy Rosa, the two guys we picked had decent games for teams that struggled in Toronto and Tampa. Randy Rosa, I know, had a double, and then Vladdy had two hits as well. But neither one of those guys were able to hit home runs. Should have went to the stinking Diamondbacks game because it seemed like well, Marte had one, Carroll had one, and yeah, maybe should have picked that one. But that's the fun of Dinger Tuesday. You never know what you're going to get. Is it exciting? It is, and if you get, it's like getting a surprise Christmas present, and you don't expect it with Dinger Tuesday. But Jays weren't able to win over the Twins, three to one, the final favoring Minnesota. But then again, the Phillies were able to pull off the win as well. So we're going to go all MLB for today. Our picks for these wild card matchups. I say the series gets tied with the twins. I say with this being also a revenge matchup for Jose Barrios, former Minnesota twins pitcher now pitching for the blue Jays. I think Toronto ties the series today. That's today's lock. I feel like the bats will get rolling today for Toronto. They got to face Sonny gray. That's a tough pitching matchup. He's pitched really good this year, but feel like the bats are going to turn up a little bit for Toronto and try and force this into a three-game series. I'm going with that for today. And I'm going with two closeouts. I think the Diamondbacks, they were able to sweep the Brewers today. They got Zach Gallen pitching, and there's no better guy you want to put into a position on the Diamondbacks roster to pitch for a sweep and get on to the next round than Zach Gallen. I think with him pitching, it's going to be able to close out a Milwaukee Brewers team and move on to the second round today. And also, I got the Phillies closing it out against the Marlins. Aaron Nola's pitching for Philadelphia today. He's going to try and close it out for the Phillies. I think they're able to do it at home and take down the Miami Marlins. So Toronto ties things up. Arizona and Philadelphia move on to the divisional series. Those are today's Parker's picks. You know, we were talking during the break, a couple of different sporting events you can watch tonight, Park, because, of course, you've got uh, regular old Premier League football, but you also have the Major League Baseball postseason, and uh, Rich Rodriguez is coaching tonight. Yeah, that's true. He's coaching against Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee's 1-4. and four. Jacksonville State's 4-1, and one, and Middle Tennessee is favored by 3.5 points in this game. People don't know about Jacksonville State football. <laughs> that's the only reason they're not favored. And people are like, oh, they're a brand-new team in the FBS. They're, they're obviously going to get – 
probably be, but you know, they've been playing good ball over at Jacksonville State, and Rich Rod's doing a good job with that program. Then also, we got that's not the only game on tonight. We've yep. got Florida International, New Mexico State, with uh, New Mexico State favored by about a touchdown in that game. Could be that'll be fun. I, I saw somebody post it's like 50 straight days starting today of either college or NFL games going on all the way through. It, it's it's we're almost nearing the uh, sports equinox, as a lot of people like to call it, where you have. That would be towards the end of this month with the World Series coming up and things ending in baseball, NFL season in full swing, and the start of the NBA season coming up towards the end of October. And the NHL. And the NHL season starting up here very soon. It's that special time of the year in October where all four sports collide at one time, and it's 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 pri- it's prime time for a lot of that stuff. So it's it's going to be exciting. I'm excited for this weekend's uh, college football slate, too, because, of course, we got Shepard and uh, Lockhaven coming up this weekend. That's going to be a fun game. Well, let's give a little teaser to that, if you don't mind, because we had an opportunity yesterday, and we'll hear this interview tomorrow and hopefully be able to hear from D2Football.com's Kerry Moyer as well. But uh, Nick Severini, who, who does the games for Lockhaven, their home games, uh, we're going to be hearing from him tomorrow. We got to interview him yesterday. And we kind of talked about this off the air. There are things that Lockhaven does that scare me a lot. No, this is literally the definition of a trap game. I feel like for Shepard, there's, I mean, they're running back Chris Collier. He, he was a transfer from a Wagner college. He's been really good running the football. And Nick told us he was averaging around, I think three yards a carry or something. Not very like big time for a running back, just kind of middle of the road. He's exploded. He's the number two rusher right now in the conference. Yeah. So he's, he's been doing fantastic. They're, they're a heavy blitz team from what I understand. So they're going to have to, the Shepard offensive line is going to have to be wary of that. Maybe you have to block Malachi Brown or block Nazir Russell in some cases, bring in Jester or Fisher, maybe as almost a pseudo sixth offensive lineman to help block the blitz. But it's, it's a lock haven team. This is the definition of trap game. And we crunched the numbers yesterday afternoon in the studio, trying to figure out avenues for Shepard to make the playoffs. If, Kutztown doesn't fumble down the stretch and lose the lead in the PSAC East. It's going to probably have to take an undefeated rest of the way regular season for Shepard to have a chance. To well, let's let's put that in. in perspective then because seven teams make the playoffs. Last mm-hmm. year, three teams made it from the, the PSAC, the PSAC. And we would say that say, it's safe to say that three teams are going to make it again this year. But when you look at Kutztown, who if they're able to win the division – and then they would have a chance to get in. You look at Slippery Rock, who's got a little bit of an easier schedule there on the west side of things. You know, like you mentioned, you have to have the best resume of the two teams that don't play for a conference title if you're not able to play for a conference title. And I had thought that a 9-2 and two Shepherd team would be enough to get into the postseason. I think I'd said that on the air before. However, if you lose to East Stroudsburg, all of a sudden there's an opportunity for them to leap you and then become the third PSAC team to make it to the postseason. So... You know, Shepard's margin for error is razor thin as we go through the end of the season. Yeah, it's it's super thin. If you, you I, t- I had to take a look at this. So in the Super Region 1 where Shepard competes in for football, there are four conferences combined into the Super Region. It's the GMAC, it is the NE10, it's the PSAC, and the MEC. And the MEC. So those are the four conferences put together. So the NE10 has like New Haven, who the Rams played last year in the opening round. They played New Haven. And then the GMAC, I believe, has Tiffin. Tiffin's undefeated right now. And the Mountain East has a few teams that are playing really good football right now. Charleston is undefeated right now. And West Virginia State and Fairmont State both have one loss right now. So there's there's opportunity for a lot of these teams to stake a claim and make a case of maybe getting into the playoffs. So at this point, I, I think Shepard's got to play clean football all the way out to be able to make it into the 
into the NCAA playoffs this upcoming year. It's, it's a tough road. We've seen eight, nine-win teams not get in just because. Now look maybe, at Concord last year. Yeah. They were they, Concord is a really good team last year. Doesn't get into the playoffs just because of how competitive the field is. And you got to be really the best out of the best to get that. I will call it an at-large bid because it's basically what it is. Or hope Kutztown fumbles down the stretch and hope you get East Stroudsburg at the end of the year and beat them to get a way back into the conference championship. There's opportunities there. And I saw I saw a tweet from Kerry. I guess I don't want to give too much away for him if this, he's going to pick this as his. Uh, potential uh peace at game of the week for his case he may be sneakily going to pick Kutztown and Bloomsburg Ooh. because now get granted the Huskies are one and four but Gary did say this that Bloomsburg has the number one defense in the conference right now and the number one rusher in the conference right now so this as well for Kutztown that is also a trap game for them because Bloomsburg has the opportunity to lock down Judd Novak at quarterback who's really been a shot in the arm of that offense it feels like he's really stepped up and maybe give Shepard that room of maybe more wiggle room to be like, okay, we have maybe a little more margin of error than what we originally thought of. But it's it's opportunity, I think, and really for the Rams come in and shut down Lockhaven. There's a lot of momentum on the Lockhaven side. This is their best start, I think, in like over 10 years at this point. Since the 90s. Since the 90s. This is their best start since the 90s. So they, they have to handle business going to Lockhaven. It'll be a good road win for the Rams if they're able to get it. And just got to put all the pieces together. You know, I get the sense that we thought the PSAC, because you looked and saw what IUP lost, and obviously we knew what Shepard lost, that the conference as a whole was going to diminish. It seems as though the conference product from a 14-team standpoint is better than it was last year. It may not be as top-heavy. It certainly isn't as top-heavy because there isn't a top-10 team. Uh, but I think the conference is better, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the depth is getting better in the PSAC. I think by far and away, Slippery Rock is looking like the best team in the conference right now. And then you go tiered out. You've got Kutztown, who's really rallied back. Because, again, if you remember, Kutztown started 0-2. They lost yep. to Assumption and lost to Cal. Now they're rallying, off, they're rallying off wins and looking like a team that can really contend and get back to the playoff picture. Shepard's up there. Cal's still a really good team. Uh, you keep, and then just the depth for this conference, you keep looking at it. You've got uh, Millersville, who I know they lost this past weekend, but they've had a lot of momentum. Westchester is trying to get momentum back. Lockhaven, who's getting back to relevancy. It's opportunity there. And Bloomsburg, who, again, who I just mentioned, best defense in the conference and the best rusher in the conference. There's it, The conference overall, I, I can agree with that statement. It's getting more depth to it, which I think is going to just build that conference's case. And I think it, like long-term, it's been the contingency around the nation, around uh, Super Region 1, that that's the weakest division out of all of them in the entire Division Two football landscape. If the conference overall gets better, it's going to be better opportunity for teams coming out of Super Region 1 to, to compete with the rest of the teams in the other super regions around the nation. One more text that made it through, and for those of you listening on radio, you're unaffected by this, but our internet's down, so our stream has gone down, and it's going to affect our ability to push the, put this podcast up. I'm not going to be able to post the podcast until we get the internet back. Uh, but we got one more birthday wishes to Parker. He says, don't celebrate too hard. Dying seconds of the show, Parker Stone. How are you spending the rest of the day? Uh, just going to be rolling out over to WXDC here in a little bit. Going to be continuing the celebration over that way. And then going to be having an appetizer sampler tonight Oof. for a birthday dinner. So it's going to be a fun one. That's huge. Bring the heat. What's your favorite appetizer? Oh, man. I mean, we're going to be the top three. All right. We got to go mozzarella sticks. Those, to. Are, those, are, those are classic. Uh, go with Buffalo wings. Absolutely. Buffalo wings are up there. And I'm torn on this last one, but give me a sleeper here. Spinach artichoke dip. Oh, I'm out on that. I, I, it's a, <laughs> listen, at, at the jump, it doesn't sound great, but 
after having it, it is really good. Either that or quesadillas. You know what's huge, and I'm I, I'm with you on quesadillas. You know what's huge? Uh, my a lot of my family's from St. Louis. Uh, deep fried green beans are a huge appetizer that's big out in the Midwest, which is something that tastes about as bad as it sounds. But anyways, that's going to do it for us. No music to end the show today because, again, our Internet's down. I apologize. If you missed any or part of today's show, when our Internet is back, we'll post it later today on our Panhandle News Network Spotify pages. Panhandle Live is coming up next. But for the birthday boy, Parker Stone, I've been Luke Wiggs, and we will talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud.